We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bruce Monk, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. My joy to be with you, both Helen and I, and uh, we just love uh, love coming to Dunedin. Stay standing because I want to pray. Uh, but, you know, it's just a, a joy for us to see what God is doing in people's lives. And that's always pretty powerful, pretty valuable. But also as a church, and you are in a new season, and uh, I believe this new season is really important. It takes one to give vision to it, but it takes everyone to let God really minister into your life so that you're able to apprehend it. Amen. And that's really what it's all about. It's us all rising to the challenge of what God really wants to do. And tonight I I pray the Holy Spirit will just impact you in some particular way. So what I want to do is just invite you. You don't have to, but perhaps lift your hands, open your heart, and uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to, in a way, prepare you for what He wants to do tonight. He loves to elevate Jesus. He loves to uh, glorify Himself through your life, which is amazing. Uh, And right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say, come among us in a powerful way. We know you're here, but we give you permission right now to move. We give you permission to, to impact our lives. We give you permission to shift things that need shifting. We give you permission to inspire our hearts in faith. We give you permission to disturb things that need disturbing. We give you permission to take us to another level. We give you permission as a church, Father, to prepare us for what you have in front of us in Jesus' name. And so we just count it a blessing to be on your team in Jesus' name. Amen. Five people a high five and then you may take a seat. How about giving the musicians a hand? We'll bring them back soon. But it's always great to have people who really support and their gift and what God's doing. Um, If I was to give my sermon a title, it's uh, A Divine Encounter to a Wide Open Door. Uh, And that's really what tonight's all about. Loved the way that uh, Helen ministered this morning, uh, creating that uh, amazing ground in our heart. Uh, because of what God wants to build with inside us and just some of those statements, one-liners, I pray you wrote them down because they were pretty powerful in themselves and just preparing our heart. And I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ right now, God is preparing us. Uh, I, I hope you're disturbed by really what's happening in our nation and around the world. I'm not here to be political, but we need to really rise up. The church needs to rise up. Uh, It's almost like the enemy's trying to put a clamp on us, close us down, but it's time for the church to really rise up with a very uh, loving, powerful statement of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's it's, it's an amazing, powerful gospel and it's still transforming lives today as it did 2,000 years ago. Amen. And so we want to give God permission. Just in the equippers world around the world, we estimate right now that around about 15,000 people are actually joining equippers churches every Sunday uh, around the world. And that's pretty amazing. And uh, we see that increasing, multiplying. Uh, We now have within the London church, which is pretty amazing, Desiree and Willie were part of it with Helen and I, but now there is uh, quite regularly over a 1,000 people gathering every Sunday in four different locations. 
locations. And so that's pretty good. Uh, the Philippines are definitely getting up close to 1,000 people every Sunday. Uh, and then what we see in uh, Germany is now around about 1,000 people in Equipers churches every Sunday. And so we're just seeing this momentum build. Uh, something's growing. And uh, I pray that even here in, um, in Otago, yeah. come on, 1,000 people. Yeah. It's got to be our goal. And uh, that might be in different locations, joining together. But we've really got to get a passion because my, my heart is every time one person gives their heart to Christ, that's one more in heaven and one less in hell. Amen. And we need, we need to populate heaven. Amen. We need to see churches that are populating heaven. And so really it's about us preparing ourselves for what God wants to do. So I pray that you're ready for God to expand you tonight. Um, I, I, I just want to mainly speak from the life of Joshua tonight and uh, just God's journey with him. Um, as you know, Joshua was part of Moses' team and uh, they were working together. Uh, they had, uh, was hit along with Caleb. Uh, Joshua was sent by Moses and 10 others to spy out a land that God wanted to give them. It was their inheritance. They came back and they had the good report. The other 10 had a negative. And I often think of uh, for 40 years, they had to wander around because of 10 people's lack of faith. And, uh, and I, you know, just my, my stupid brain started to think when I was preparing this, I wonder how many funerals that Caleb and Joshua had to go to. You know, just to see a whole generation, all their mates die off. And the funerals that they would have had to address because that generation, 40 years, one generation because of their lack of ability to embrace what God wanted to do, had to die. Now, I don't want to be part of that group, amen? <laughs> I don't mind dying, but I don't want to die because of unbelief. I want to die because I've got faith and I'm outworking what God's given me to outwork. And so I believe that right now, God is really looking for that Joshua, Caleb spirit in the church. I love Caleb, where is he? Over here. The name Caleb actually means to be wholehearted uh, in a way. That's a, but, but if you actually go right into the very uh, into the very root meaning of Caleb. It means, uh, the only way I can explain it, we've got a dog. It's a cute little dog. Her name's Molly. And uh, she's a Baishan free Shih Tzu. Uh, quite, a, quite a nice personality little dog. And somehow we're falling in love with it in our old age. She sleeps on our bed, which I never thought we'd ever do, but she does. And, um, but, but when we're sitting there watching TV, she'll get a, one of her toys and she'll come up and she'll push on my leg because she wants to play. And so I throw this thing around and she runs around the house trying to get hold of it. But then she won't let it go. And really, I can get her up. I, I can almost lift her off the ground. She'll hold on. She doesn't have a big mouth, but she'll hold on and won't let go. She's just, and Caleb actually means to be like a dog that won't give up. That's literally what it means. It's going to hold on. It won't give up. And I believe right now we need people with that determination in the church of Jesus Christ. Because if you read the journey of Caleb, even at 84, he was saying, come on, God, give me this mountain. I'm not giving up. I'm fighting for what God has, my inheritance. And I believe we need that spirit again in the church of Jesus Christ, where people are wholehearted, they're dogged. You know, they're not gonna give up. They're gonna fight for what God has. 
And uh, every single one of us, as, as we heard this morning, we've got a divine inheritance in God. But the interesting thing is if you study the book of Joshua, you'll come to Joshua chapter 12, and it identifies in Joshua chapter 12 31 kings. And these 31 kings possessed the land that they had to possess. And they weren't nice kings. They were evil kings, right? So I'm here to put a bit of strength into you tonight. Amen. How many want an inheritance in God? Well, there's 31 kings out there. And they're demonic kings. They're evil kings. And they're not clapping their hands and saying, oh, praise God. You can have it. You don't have to fight for it. We're just going to stand out of the way and you can, you can take. No, they're there. Just try and do all they can to hinder you inheriting what God has. So the Christian life is for people who want to be dog-minded, yeah. not give up. They're not going to let go, but they realise that there's a battle on. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And the spiritual life, I believe, is for people who let God develop something strong within their life. It's not just going to be a nice little party. It's something we're going to have to fight for. Amen? Yeah. Amen? And I believe this couple here, God's going to put a fight in you. Amen. And I, right now, just lay hands on your boast uh, in Jesus' name. And, and in a way, when others will give up, you're going to hold on. And I right now speak the power and the anointing of God into your life. That when others are, in a way, drawing back, and I like it, uh, it says in, in Hebrews, don't draw back. Come on. Yeah fight on, press in. And you will remember this word because tonight in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking that into your spirit that you won't give up, you'll pray. Together you'll battle through, you'll push through. At times in your humanity, you'll feel like drawing back, but God's gonna remind you of this word, nowhere to fight, where to possess, where to take hold of in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do that for many of us. The scripture Helen mentioned, one of them this morning was Psalm 16, and it says, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And everyone in this room's got a good inheritance. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. God wants your lines to fall in a place where you can inherit what God has, but we've got to fight for it. Amen. And then you come into the life of Joshua and the scripture will go up. And this is a well-known scripture. I just want to give you some scriptures. And then quickly, you're going to write down on a bit of paper or on your phone or whatever, five questions, five questions. And then we're going to see how you answer them. Amen. So are we ready? It just says here in Joshua chapter one, well-known verse of scripture. So Joshua was around about 80 years of age. He wasn't a young man but still wanting to possess what God had. But there was something in the heart of Joshua that God identified. Because God says it three or four times throughout the book of Joshua. And I'll tell you what it is. It says, Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, the reason why, my assumption or assessment, is the reason why God had to say that three times or four times in Scripture, because there was a timidity and fear in the heart of Joshua. There was a reluctance. 
How many times, how many people are here are sometimes reluctant? You know, you hold back. Is God with me? But the Lord was saying, no, no, I don't want you to, to, to be dismayed. I don't want you to fear. I want you to allow my spirit to put courage in you. I want you to, I want to put strength in you. And God meets the need, are you ready, of our vulnerability. God loves our vulnerability. God doesn't, God doesn't call people who are naturally good. God calls people who actually have an area of vulnerability in their life. He loves to minister into the vulnerability of our heart. Why? Because we then are dependent on His strengths and His courage. And so there's areas always, I've noti- noticed in major men and women who are called of God, that there is always a vulnerability. There's an area where they, they need God in their life. And so I look at it, God, God, God doesn't bless just, and I'm not putting this aside, God doesn't bless the intellectual. God doesn't bless the wealthy. God blesses the vulnerable. Now they might be wealthy and they might be intellectual, but God blesses the vulnerable. He doesn't bless those who think that they've got it together. He blesses people who've got a vulnerability in their life and they need Him. They're they're desperate for Him. They're calling out on Him. He will use their intellect. He will use their resources, but He's looking to bless the vulnerability of our humanity. Amen? And sometimes we've got to open ourselves because God's not looking and saying, you're weak. God is looking and saying, you're neat. (laughs) Amen? You're ready to let me come into that area of vulnerability. And I believe in this room tonight, God is wanting people to identify their vulnerability and let God come in like Joshua did and find strength and courage to move into what God has. The next area, just going through the book of Joshua, if you go into Joshua chapter two, uh, I'm not putting it up on the board, but it talks about how God saves the prostitute Rahab and how she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing story. If you come into Joshua chapter three, and at the beginning of it, there's, there's a command given to Joshua. And in Joshua chapter three, verse five, it just says, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And in a way, it's quite a command. Amen? Sanctify. Sanctify means, come on, set yourself apart for God. And I believe prophetically, this is why I'm preaching, in New Zealand, we're entering a new season. And if I could be a Joshua voice, it's like, come on, church, it's time to set ourselves apart for a new move of God. That's what God's wanting to do. This is a new season. And uh, we're picking up on the whole theme, a wide open door. And it's my understanding that a wide open door is where God's blessing is. But are you ready? To experience a wide open door, you've got to go through a narrow gate. And you can't go through the narrow gate holding anyone else's hand. So if I take Helen right now, up girl. Even if, I can't hold her hand. If you read in Matthew chapter seven, I can't hold, we can't hold hands and say, we're doing this together. But it does, it does say, if you guys come quickly, I want you to get the illustration, that we can all hold hands together because of peer pressure and we can all walk down, amen, the pass and we'll put off, each one could put off the other 
from actually doing what God wants wow. because wow. of peer pressure. And, and, and Jesus said, he said, you know, the road is wide, but people don't experience the wide open door because they actually are trying to position one another. But what he does say is he said there is a narrow gate that leads to life. You can't go through with anybody else. You've got to choose to go through by yourself. And at that point, there's an encounter in God that will open up to you a wide open door. Amen. And I believe right now God is actually challenging us. I don't think it's a decision we make once in our life. Uh, and one month I'm 71 and I feel as though I'm being challenged again. What is my, what is my narrow gate? What are you calling me through right now? In Jesus' name, what, what are you challenging me to lay down so that I might inherit? And, and in saying this, sermon, uh, this message, it, it, will, it will seem as though I'm, I, I'm actually putting pressure on you in your relationship with God. I am. <laughs> Amen? But I'm not calling you to be weird. I just want to state it. I've just bought a jet ski boat, a jet ski. It's called a fish pro. It, it rides at a, I think it can top speed 100 kilometres an hour and it cruises at, uh, at 80, right? So it's quite fast. It's a lot of fun. But I'm just sharing with you, I'm not weird. <laughs> Amen? You can actually have fun and be committed. Do you hear me? You can have fun and be committed. Helen and I have fun on the journey, but we are wholehearted. Right? You don't have to be weird to be wholehearted. Got it? I just want to state that otherwise this sermon could be incredibly intense. Are you ready for it to be intense, Andrew? It could be really intense, boy. And so it could be really intense to the point you think, wow, do I have to be weird to be a Christian? No, you don't. But you do. God is looking for people to be wholehearted. And that means that really when the acid comes on or the, the pressure comes on, you are prepared to put God first. And for me, not the jet ski pro. <laughs> it's to say, no, no, this is, this, this is important. Amen? God gives me the pleasure of that, but that's not what really drives my life. And I believe that right now God is actually saying to us, come on, no, sanctify. He wants to do wonders. How many want more miracles? How many people want to see the power of God move in a very significant way? And it's almost like God's calling us to that. The scripture that I want to just talk to you from and where I'll give you some questions from, and I'm going to read it as Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 naturally uh, follows Joshua chapter 4. In Joshua chapter 4, Joshua got up one morning and he sharpened his, his knife. He just got his big knife out and he sharpened it up. And he said, boys, he said, there's been 40 years where none of you have been circumcised. <laughs> Today's the day of circumcision. Today's the day when we've got to do what the covenant, which was given by Abraham, we've got to actually put it into place. And all the boys came forward. <laughs> I'm sure they came willingly, but <laughs> I'm not sure. But anyhow, it says that there was a, a lot of pain in the camp and it called, it called the place Gugale because that day there was an oppression released simply because of their obedience. It was as though the reproach that was against them, simply because of their obedience, the Bible says actually was lifted off them. 
And sometimes a reproach is against us because we're not obeying God's word. Amen. And that day, a reproach was released. Now they're getting ready. The wide open doors here. Here's the inheritance. Here's the, here's the inheritance. Man, it's hot in here, or is it just me? Eh? I think they need a. Man, I start sweating up here. Now. But but it's like Gilgal is a place where they're approached. But then it comes, and now now God is really working. And this is where I want to take you as a person. God's working on us as individuals. He works on Joshua. He, he really specifically, he was drawing Joshua. He was testing his obedience. He was bringing him to a place. Would he obey him in the simple things? He, he tested him. God tests us. But then here's the wide open door. But before the wide open door, God took Joshua through another experience. And it's this experience I want you to identify tonight. Amen? And we're going to let God speak to our heart. It just says in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? or for our adversaries. So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord of the Lord's army said to him, take off your, take your sandals off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And then in chapter 6, verses 1 to 2, now Joshua, uh, sorry, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. But the, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its kings and its mighty men of valor. Right? So here's an encounter. Yeah. Jericho was not taken yet, yeah. but here, here was a defining point. Amen? Otago. Otago. Amaru. Balclusa. How far do we go? I don't know. But it's almost right. You look and you say, ah, oh, no, that's impossible. No, no, it's not impossible. How quickly can God move? Very quickly. But what God is looking for is people who will go through that narrow gate, let God define something special in their life. doesn't matter how old you are in this room. Defining moments happen at young ages. Amen. Samuel, our son, uh, which many know, so I can talk, to, talk about him because people know him. But at the age of nine, I remember it was six o'clock in the morning. I was awake, just lying in bed, and he came. And you, you imagine, you think of the words, but he came, he tapped me on the shoulder and he said these words, nine-year-old boy, Dad, what is going to become of me? I've just had a dream. And it was like a defining moment where God touched him on the shoulder. He'd had in the dream and God called him. He knew from the age of nine that he was called to do something for God. He never doubted it from that point on. This morning, Helen showed a video. That little boy, he's uh, 11 now, but he was presenting. He knows he's called. Yeah. 10. He, he just knows. Undoubtedly, he's called. Uh, and people at a young age, you don't have to be old to be called. But God is looking for people to respond to call. It doesn't mean that they won't trip other kids up. They won't have a fight. They won't uh, have arguments. It, it's all normal. But there's a call. 
there's something like a little dog holding on that they will hold on to what God's put in their spirit. And that's what we're looking for. It doesn't mean you have to be a preacher, but you've just got to know God has called you. God has put something significant in your heart to change your particular world and to inherit what God wants you to inherit. And here's the questions, and I'm going to give them quick. Write them down. First question is, what is your expectation? What is your expectation? I'll come back to it, but God moves, as Helen said this morning, where there's desire. Amen? What is your expectation? In this scripture here, it says, uh, Joshua lifted up his eyes and looked. He would have only done that because he was standing in the presence of God and he was looking for more. Amen? There was an expectation in his heart. The second question is, who's in charge? Who's in charge in your life? What, what, what really motivates you right now? Who, who's the boss? Who's in charge? And sometimes that question really does need to be answered. The third question is, you ready? Are you listening? If God was to speak to you, are you listening? Write it down, if God was to speak. If God was to speak, tonight I believe I'm gonna create the ground in, the, in this room where if there's an expectant heart, if you put Jesus in his rightful place this week, God's gonna speak into every one of those hearts. He's gonna write in your heart. He's gonna define some, every single one of us. Amen, you ready? How many are ready for God to speak this week? I believe he wants to speak. He wants to, there's gonna, but, but you gotta be ready to listen. You've got to be ready to listen. The fourth question is, what are you wearing? What are you wearing that God will ask you to remove? And in this place, Scripture, he had to remove shoes. Why? Because shoes, if you look at me, have to do with our walk. Have to do with our walk. And obviously he was wearing something that would actually, actually not help him in the walk that he needed for the next step that God was calling him to. So what are you wearing? What are you wearing that you need to remove? And finally, the question is, will you respond? You, will you respond to what he's spoken? And the way that God spoke to Joshua was actually irrational. And sometimes the greatest blessings come when people obey what you would term an irrational command. Amen? Walk round Jericho. Don't make any noise. Walk round seven days. On the seventh day, walk round seven times. Completely irrational. How, how, is, how is a wall going to fall down by just walking around it? It was just simple, simple obedience. And then shout. And on the shout, the wall fell down. Everything was irrational. But currently in our humanity... We've got to reason things out. But yet some of the most greatest moves that Helen and I have seen is when we've laid down our reason and we've obeyed what God wanted to do. But if we followed our reason, we would never see the blessing of God. It just simply comes out of the obedience. So coming back and just answering some of those questions, putting some light into them. Are you ready? Amen? Come on, you ready? Come on, you ready? You ready to open your heart? 
I believe the Holy Spirit. Right now, Holy Spirit, I release you. I believe from the oldest in this room to the youngest, you want to move tonight. You want to touch people. You're preparing us in this nation right now. You're going to cause the church of Jesus Christ to rise. You're going to cause young people and older people to obey you like they've never done before. We're not going to sit back and we're not going to hold on, right? In Jesus' name. My challenge is people come to me and they say, when are you going to retire? And you think, well, 71, why not? That's what everybody does when you're my age. And I just, my simple term is I can't. And they look at me and say, well, why can't you? I said, because I'm called. How can you you retire when there's still a call in your life? How can you lay back? How can you, and and, and I'm inspired by Caleb and Joshua because they were older than me. They were 80 and 84. Is there any 80 or 84-year-olds in the room? No. So therefore, we all we, we can all listen. Amen? We can all listen. Amen? So, so we can actually all connect. We can all engage tonight. Why? Because every single one of us can respond to what God wants to do now. And it doesn't matter what sphere, God will call us to the degree that He's wanting us to respond because we can have an influence over the people. And I don't think churches where people just come and listen to a good sermon, and I'm sure Willie preaches great sermons, but good sermons don't change cities. People change cities. People are called. People are prepared to rise to the challenge of what God wants to do. The first thing is, what is your expectation? Where is the desire right now of your heart in relationship to God? Helen Psalm this morning, uh, it's, um, it says, uh, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh. Uh, and, and there's got to be that longing. There's got to be a position in your life where God reaches into, into the, the desire. He reaches into our expectation. Amen? And I I release that expectation now. As a young man, young married, we were married, I was 22, Helen was 20, and uh, by the time Helen was 25, we'd had five children, four children. (laughs) What did I say, five? We just added one. (laughs) Uh, But we had five children. (laughs) Uh, but, but, But in that time, you know, in the busyness of it, both of us had an amazing godly desire. Amazing godly desire. Now, I want to I speak really openly. I've watched in church, I've been around in church now for 40 years. I watch people go to youth camps, revolution tour, and lay down their life for Jesus. They get married, they have children. Should I say this? But I watch them become boring old farts. Did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I just, it's almost like they forget. They forget what happened in that youth camp. They forget what happened in that moment. It's almost like they go on this journey. Now it's all about it's all about marriage. It's all about demands, pressure. It's all about children. It's all about career. It's all about getting enough money for retirement. It's almost like it's a predictable line. But God doesn't work like that. God is looking for a generation who will maintain their desire. He will, he, he's looking for a generation who will constantly renew their desire, their appetite. It's the hungry. It's the people who acknowledge, in a way, the poor. The, the, there's, a, there's a vulnerability in their humanity. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's not the knowing, it's not the intellectual, it's not the wealthy, but it's the hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And right now I'm speaking, I'm declaring a new hunger into this house. I'm declaring right now a new passion. It's what motivates you to pray. It's what motivates you to get out of bed. It's what motivates you to go to another country. It's what motivates you to be in church. It's what motivates you to do what God calls you to do. It's that desire. Without desire, there can be no passion. But God honors passion. God is looking for a passionate people. And sometimes we just get so, so clever in our own humanity that we think we've got this church thing sewing up. But we haven't. I say to people, revival. Some people have been praying for revival and they don't see it when it comes because they think they know what it's gonna look like. I say revival, what God is about to do, none of us know what it's gonna look like because it can't be revival. Revival is when God revives and does something new. He does something completely different. He catches us off guard. And I believe right now the Holy Spirit is preparing a generation to let God use them, to break into unknown territories, to do what God is calling them to do. And I believe this couple here, God is actually putting a fight in your spirit too. In Jesus' name, newly married. Don't, don't let even the sound of, 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 of being young married. No, no, get in. Maintain the call of God. Be passionate together, but be passionate about the call of God together. And I lay hands on you tonight and I declare over you the abundance of grace and the things that you've prayed in secret. God has heard. I'm speaking to you. He's heard the secret prayer. He's heard them. He's heard the desire of your heart. He's answering them. They won't come in your time, but they will be answered. And right now I just speak the abundance of grace over your life that you would rise up to the challenge of what God's called you to do. And never ever, and I don't know why I say this, don't get settled. Amen. (laughs) Expectation's powerful. Perhaps Felicity, you might play if you wouldn't mind. The second question is, who's in charge? And I like it because when, when Jesus appears, and it was Christ, in, uh, you know, Christ has always been. So it was Christ who came to Joshua. He came, came in, this, in this image, a commander of the Lord of hosts. Only Jesus could do that. So he came. But when, when Joshua saw him, he didn't come with a halo. He didn't come with a white garment, a robe on. He came in a way that Joshua said, are you for us or against us? Who are you? Who are you? God does not always appear in a way what we call an angelic look. If you you look at the story of, of Jesus coming to the disciples, walking on the water, and the water was rough. And he was up and down, but the original response, if you read scripture, is it, is it a ghost? But it wasn't a ghost, it was Jesus. He was coming, he was appearing. And what we need is when, when God appears, God comes to us. And I'm speaking into the next week. Sometimes he won't come in a way that you expect. But what you've got to ask the question is, are you for me? Because when God's for you, He will speak into your humanity in a way that no one else could. He will answer questions in the hidden part of your life 
that you've prayed that no one else knows about. This girl on the second row here with the long hair, it's almost like there's been a cry, there's been a longing in your heart. And God's seen it. He's seen your tears. He's seen your frustration at times. And I'm even going a little further, He's even seen your anger. But God's seen it, but He's never pushed you away. He's drawing you close. He's pulling him to yourself. And when you understand the one who's drawing you, you will understand the voice that he wants to speak into your heart. And I believe I'm here to speak to you. Just in a way, just pull down the wall and say, Jesus, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm going to listen. Because when you listen, it's almost like God can, in that moment, write a script in your life that will change your whole future your whole future. Amen? And I just speak that into your heart right now. God will put a script in your life. Sometimes just one word might be a sentence, but it will change your future. It's what you will hold on to. And in that moment, we sometimes just need to stop and the way God comes to us. I remember when God called us to go to London, it was a, it was a moment where we, it's just, it, was, it was a it was an interesting moment. It was like I, I, I shared with Helen, I remember one night and I just said to her, I think God's calling us to go to London. And she said, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and her response was, children leave home, not parents. And it was a response and it was a big deal because our church in London was, a, Auckland was a thousand people. We had, a, you know, we were well looked after by the church. Uh, we had a staff, big staff that worked for, uh, and, and it was like God came and, and, and she just responded. The next morning we were having in our home, all the staff came for a breakfast and Helen prepared the breakfast. And what we did at the end of every breakfast, we, I think we did it once a month at those times. And, and, and what we did was, we, we, I call it piggy in the middle. And so everyone has a moment where they stand in the middle and we pray over one another. And we would just lay hands and, prophesy into people's lives and and it came to our turn and so Helen and I stand in the middle and they lay hands on us and they start praying for us and there was a guy on our staff who really had no idea of ethics he didn't know in a way and I'm not saying it in a derogatory way right or wrong it was just like he got a word from God and I'm, I'm going to speak it. And so he started to prophesy. He said, you are God, I can't remember the exact words, but I'm about to take you out of this church to another nation. What he did is he just fired me and I'm his boss. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you think about just the whole thing. He, he said, you're going to go to another nation. In a way, he prophesied the very discussion we'd had in our bedroom the night before. And the whole thing was about leaving the church, going to someone, and God would, and what, what God would do. But it was interesting how God came. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is this, we could have stood there, and I'm sure we did for a moment, is this for us or against us? <laughs> is this you, God, or isn't it? Yeah. Amen? Get what I'm saying? Because it's so outside the box. Is this you, God? And some people say, no, no, that couldn't be God. God would never... Don't you, be, don't you believe it? <laughs> Amen. I found that when you're under pressure, you ready for it? You want to know how God works, Caleb? When you're under pressure, you're standing there, God, take this away from He'll just add more pressure. 
because He'll teach you how to handle it. God never takes pressure away from people. He just teaches you how to handle the pressure so that you learn to know His grace, His strength and His courage. Amen? And, and, and sometimes we've just got to come to a point and we've got to say, no, no, this, this, this God's for me. This God's for me. This, this seems way outside my current sphere of reality. But I trust you, Jesus. I'm going to walk with it. Are you listening? Are you listening? What, what, what is God actually going to say? What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Right now, I've got a couple of Psalms that I'm praying every day. I just go through them. Why? Because that's what God's speaking to my life. I speak them. I pray them. They become my conviction. They become the strength of who I am, what God is doing in my life now. But are you listening? Uh, for those who don't know, when I started out, left school, and uh, just because it was in my family, I became, I, I went into the same area. I was a dairy farmer and blessed, owned my own farm at the age of 22 and uh, just really knew God's prosperity on our life and our marriage. And one of the several defining moments, one clear defining moment was not long after we were married, I was bringing the cows down to be milked. And I remember the time, it was around about five o'clock in the morning. It was still sort of dark. You could see way out. We lived on the Cavity Coast. You could see out to, to the Cavity Island. You could see right across throughout to the little villages and towns around and the sparkle of lights. But I remember just the Holy Spirit just coming. Just the, the presence of God. And I remember that morning with all the cows that had just gone down before me and I was behind. I remember, I don't know, just the presence of God just came in such a powerful way. I remember just kneeling in the middle of this dirty old cow track. And I just knelt and I said, God, I couldn't do this with Helen. This was my submission. This was my narrow gate. Because as a boy, all that I dreamt of was owning farms, not just a farm, being wealthy, God just said, Bruce, I want you to surrender everything. I want you to give me everything. And that morning in the dirt, this dirty old car track, I laid down everything that I dreamed of as a young boy. And I remember handing it to Jesus. And it was clearly just a defining moment. The interesting thing is that that particular farm is now lifestyle blocks. And there's a, where the, the old cow race was, there's a, a road. And a couple of times I've gone up that road and I come bit to that space where I knelt. And I look around to make sure no one's looking, but I get out of my car and I kneel in exactly the same spot because I don't want to forget what I felt that morning at five o'clock where it was a, a moment where God spoke and I opened my heart and I listened. And it became a, a defining moment, many defining moments since, but that defining moment was like a narrow gate where I had to let go and God spoke. Amen? And, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but there's always that narrow gate. And there's always the moment where you've just got to stop and listen. You've got to listen to what He's wanting to put in your heart. That's for the future but it's what God puts in you. And when you listen to that, are you ready? 
there's always a wide open door. What God does, that place where I lived right now, there's no longer a shop. So I can't say it's a town with one shop. There's no longer a shop. The shop got burnt down. They estimate Steve Graham has done a little research. He reckons that there's roughly in that region, there might be 700 people. Might be 700, might be. So I was a country boy. Knelt in the middle of a dirty old cow track. But now travel the world, preaching the gospel and empowering leaders to rise to the challenge in Ghana, Budapest, Germany. Dirty old cow track. I wonder what in this room tonight could be born. Amen? I'm not saying I'm anything. I just responded. But I wonder what could be born for some of you young people in this room if you just say, okay, there's an arrow gate. The girl here, I believe that God's hand's been on you even as a a young child. You knew something of the presence of God. It's the way God's protected you. At times you've felt drawn to go one way, but it's almost like God's put a wall up and allowed you to go there. He's protected you. He's covered you. Amen. And you've known that. You've seen and sometimes you've even wanted to, but somehow you just couldn't do it. And tonight the Holy Spirit is just speaking to your heart and He's just saying, never underestimate the power of that narrow gate. Because on the other side, and I'm putting a picture in your heart tonight, on the other side of you going through that narrow gate, there's a path that's so broad and so wide. And I'll say it, please hear me in the right way that you'll become the envy of so many others. But it's because you went through that narrow gate and you said, no, no, I'm going to do this God's way. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, I release His anointing. I release His presence. In Jesus' name. Just touch it. Touch it. This guy here. What's your name? Mark. Arnie, come around here. Run. Just lift your hands. Just lift, lift your hands. Just touch him, Jesus. Just touch him. Just touch him. In the name of Jesus, just let the power of your Holy Spirit come on this wonderful boy tenderness of his heart, let it become a platform for your grace. Let it become a platform of strength. Let it become a platform for you to do something supernatural in Jesus' name. Right now I release your presence. Just come Holy Spirit. Just come. Just come. your expectation tonight? Are you hungry? Come on, are we hungry? 
who's in charge? Who's in charge is, is right now? Are your feelings in charge? Is your money in charge? Is your lifestyle in charge? As Helen said this morning, I like the word, I've never heard her say it before, but is your idealism in charge? <laughs> What's in charge? Who's in charge? Tonight, in the name of Jesus, I declare that God is actually bringing, wanting to bring our hearts to the point where we just stand and say, you're the boss, Jesus. You're the boss. And, and I, I, I did tell you at the start, <laughs> I got a jet ski. <laughs> So it doesn't make you weird to put Jesus in charge. We've got a great marriage. We enjoy life. We've got a great family, great grandchildren. We enjoy life. So it doesn't make you weird. Amen? It actually blesses you to prosper in all things. And right now, I prophetically speak that. Who's in charge? Come on, get, get Jesus in charge. But the, the crucial thing is, is are you listening? What is God saying to you? If you read the story of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, it talks about hearing, listening. When you listen, you can start to respond. God puts, a, puts amazing direction and vision in front of you. Amen? Sometimes... It'll take time, but God will bring prophetic words. The lady here with the glasses on, just lift your hands. Are you? No, this one here. Yeah, you stand. Just, yeah, this one. Yeah, just stand. Just lift your hands. Do you mind? Do you mind? Would you, would you come here and then I'll pray for you? Father, I just thank you for this wonderful girl. I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd, you'd make yourself known in a very powerful way. Some of the questions she's had, I, I just pray by the end of this year they'd be answered. You'd speak into her life. You'd bring, bring people around her that understand her and support her. Right now, in Jesus' name, I just speak your grace into her heart. I declare the abundance of your Holy Spirit just present yourself. Father, I just break off any contradictory force that would seek to rob her of your best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Isn't the Holy Spirit amazing? Amen. I, I just love saying people, if you're religious, you mightn't like this. But I love to say to people, Helen and I are so blessed. <laughs> We're just so blessed. Next year, we will have been married 50 years. And Helen will turn over 70. Most people don't like to tell ladies' ages, but she'll be 70 and I'll be 72. And We've got grandchildren, 12 of them. Ten of them have all declared their faith in Jesus and are baptised. We're blessed. We're not wealthy, but boy, we're rich. We're rich. I think, how could you, how could you write a script like that? That's God. 
tonight I just declare that the wide open door is your inheritance. But never underestimate the power of that narrow gate. And at that point for Joshua, he had to remove his shoes. And sometimes we've got to remove things that are in a way hindering us from what God wants to do. And what are they? Sometimes you've got to identify them. You've got to identify something that will hold you back from doing what God wants you to do. As a young man, I've talked about the jet ski and I've had a boat for about the last 10 years. But as a young man, it was almost like I I had a, 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 can I say, a lust for boats. See any such thing? People have lust for cars, you know, it's almost like, but I had lust for boats. So I'd, I'd buy a boat because I had the money to do so and I would, um, I would get it. And I knew I had a lust problem because I'd bring my new boat, come to the beach and someone else would come up with a nicer boat and I'd become more envious and thinking my boat was rubbish because their boat was better. Does anyone know what that feels like? You know, and I'd be driving along the road and my car, I don't know why, but my car would just naturally steer into a boat shop. (laughs) Just naturally. And I would scheme about how I could buy a boat. And I'm such a good salesman, I could almost trick Helen into saying this was a great idea. (laughs) But then one day, was a moment like this, the Holy Spirit just said to me, I want you to sell your boat. It's stopping you doing what God's called you to do. I remember, it's clear as anything. So I, I just simply took off my shoes. <laughs> I sold the boat. I sold the boat because I knew it was a hindrance and so I sold it. And I was happy doing it. It's interesting. Two weeks later, my brother, who's a he's a Christian, he's a minister, he bought a boat, and I went up. You can't buy boats; they're evil. No, <laughs> they're only evil to me because that was what's holding me back from doing what God's called me to do. And then, when I was turning sixty, the Holy Spirit, I was out in someone else's boat, it was my son's, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, "Bruce," he just said. It's time you can buy a boat. I remember, it's clear as anything. And then he said something that really caught my attention. He said, if you don't, you won't survive the next 10 years. He said, I want to I bring this back into your life so that you can learn to find a place to rest and relax. And do you know that, did I? Now, I've survived the 10 years, so it worked. <laughs> Amen. But that, that's how God works. Sometimes he'll, he'll put his finger on something and say, no, no. Come on, touching that. This place is holy. It's time for you to get rid of that. It's time for you to do this. I could tell you many stories where God's put his finger on stuff. And it's really, in a way, can I say it's taking off our shoes? No, it's just removing something that really destroys the power of that environment from being holy. Amen? I, I want to encourage a generation to, to live for Jesus. You don't have to be weird. In fact, your life will be blessed. And then the final question was, will you respond? And that's when Jericho was about to be attacked. Not through weapons of warfare in the natural, but through the weapons of warfare that no one could ever stand against. 
the weapons of warfare that were divinely inspired by God. What will take Otago? Not the cleverness of man, but the Word of God. What changed the children in Auckland was Helen hearing year by year what we should do now. Simple word from God. What will change the music, Andrew, in this church? You hearing the sound of the Spirit of God. You hearing, hearing together. What will change our ability to reach into the brokenness of the city? People who simply hear God. Amen. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, my friend here, I've forgotten your name, but just jump over the seat and come up quick. Good. Just lift your hands. I think you've underestimated what God wants to do in your life. You've not only underestimated it, but you've compared and you've looked at others. But tonight, I believe God's speaking into your life. And God is saying, it's time for you to rise up, my son, and do what I'm calling you to. In fact, I declare this week, God's gonna really speak into your life if you just come to Him. In fact, I can just sort of see yourself almost overwhelmed by the presence of God in your bedroom. And right now I lay hands upon you and I draw out the call of God. I draw out right now that which God has created you for from the beginning of time. I, I speak into that area of your life. Even, for, even before you were born, God called you and He called you by name. Even before you were born, God gave you gifts and those gifts going to mark humanity and I believe there'll come a prophetic element to your life and even you probably grapple with it now you don't know what it is but I, I just speak even now God's grace into your heart God's anointing God's presence a real anointing here right now just lift your hands where you are just, just, just let the anointing of God just come the presence of the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit just come right now touch people Touch people. Touch people. In Jesus' name, I, I just release your grace to stand in the presence of God. I've seen you around a lot, mate. Stand up. Let God touch you tonight. You ready? You ready? The Holy Spirit just say He loves you, mate. God just so loves you. You just need to hear how much He loves you. You need to hear right now that it's almost like the, the face of God smiling in heaven as He looks down upon you. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release the anointing of God. It's like a new season. The things that have weighed you down in the past are no longer going to weigh you down into the future. It's like God is going to cause you to walk with a new stride, a new presence, a new power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you're a good man. How about standing with me, everyone? Just more. Come on, let the Holy Spirit come on you, man. Just stand. Just let the Holy Spirit. Just let the Holy Spirit come. You know, sometimes when you stand in the presence of God like this, you... Can I just, 
You know, I, I, I love, love the way, just, just take it down a little bit. I love the way that, that Joshua responded. I want you to do it tonight. He lifted his eyes up. It's almost like a posture of expectation. I like it in John 17 where Jesus was in the presence of his Father and he just said, lifting his eyes towards heaven, he said, Father. And right now, I just want you to lift your eyes. I know heaven is all around us, but it's like a posture. Where you open your heart, you, you just stand in the presence of God. You just look towards heaven. And I want you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, tonight I lift my eyes towards you with an expectation that you're going to do something significant in my life this week. You're going to redefine some areas. I believe that there's a redefining in your life, James. Right now, in Jesus' name, I just speak that. Speak it in Jesus' name. No one, no one, no one else, no one. And I say no one. Hear me? No one, not even Justin, no one can write the script that God wants to write. And I believe as you just lift your eyes towards heaven this week, you're just gonna find a new script. Right now, release the anointing, just lift your hands. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, just touch your life. Just hold your hand, you'll come on at you. You come on, yeah, just hold your hands. Just, just touch them, just lift your head. Just lift your head. Here's the Holy Spirit. Let the oil of His presence minister into your life right now, in Jesus' name. Let right now the power of His blessing just flow. touch this girl right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Continue the prayer. I open my heart, Jesus, to hear you speak. I ask you to give me the strength of conviction to obey. I declare, I am positioning myself for another season in you. I open my life to your anointing. In Jesus' name. Just stand, just worship Him. Just open, perhaps we can sing a song just to worship. Father, right now, I declare a fresh touch for every person in this room. Every person. Every person. is gone and you has come. You know, David McMillan, I just really believe God's, like there's a fresh touch of God's anointing on your life. Come on, it's, it's in your faith. 
because it's, it's almost like a wrecking ball has come and smashed your faith. But I really believe God's just releasing a fresh anointing right now. Just from the top of your head right down over, over you and it goes out over your family. It goes over your son, over your daughter. It's going to flow over your business. And in fact, you're going to look back in a year's time now and, and almost that, that scripture, that the, the, what the lotus have eaten, God's going to restore back to you a hundredfold. Right now, I declare, Lord, a, a fresh touch of God's faith on your life, fresh touch of His grace and fresh touch of anointing. This is a significant moment. No longer, no long, no longer do you have to wonder if there's a wrecking ball coming through. No, there's a fresh anointing of God's grace and you carry faith. You carry faith. You carry faith. Yeah, Bruce wants to pray with you. Come forward. <laughs> I really believe, you know, there's a lot of people being ministered, but I believe God's Holy Spirit's ministering to everyone in this room right now. Whether you come forward or not, God's got something for every single person. Just reach out. Just If you feel comfortable lifting your hands, we're going to finish in five more minutes, just five. Holy Spirit, just love. Just so worthy, God. You're so worthy. You know, Tui, I, I just, it's almost God's going to call you out. You're, you're being, you're right now, you're surrounding yourself on the outside. But the Lord's drawing you into the middle. He's drawing you into a place of influence. He's drawing you into a place where He's just saying, "Come on, there's no longer you. You, you choose whether you want to be on the on the edge, or you choose whether you want to be in the middle." But the Lord says to you that He's calling you to be in the middle. You know that God's called you to a place of influence and a place of significance. But there's going to be a surrender. There's an all-in for you. That God has for you. Thank you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.